it didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket, it turned around and looked at me. They looked up and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop and he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their, their, their face is like twitching. to Bigfoot Society, a podcast where we focus on cryptids, the strange, and the unexplained of this world. If you've got a story or something weird to share, send an email over to me at bigfootsociety at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And now, on with the show. All right, Bigfoot Society, we've got the privilege of having Mr. Rich Turgeon on today. Uh, Rich is one of those people you you may not have heard of, or maybe you have. Uh, Rich, I'm going to spend a few minutes uh, just kind of sharing how I ran into you on the internet. Uh, I, I believe I was on YouTube, and I was looking for something Michael Freeman related. And your interview with Michael Freeman, of course, the son of Paul Freeman, uh, came up, and I was like, whoa, who's this dude? And I was watching it, and... Uh, you, you don't have a lot of interviews out there, but your all your interviews are solid and they're, you know, great interviews. Uh, you got Michael Freeman, you've got uh, Russ Accord, uh, Ron Moorhead as well. Correct. He's on there. Good stuff. Yep. So I started looking a little bit more into you and actually, you know, I'm in a group of some big footers, you know, that group text. And we were like, who's this dude? We're trying to figure out who's this rich guy. And uh, everything we were seeing was good stuff. And I was like, oh, man, he's like a creative. I got to talk to this guy. So, Rich, you're a creative guy that's into Bigfoot. And you're putting out a lot of really cool stuff that not maybe a ton of people know about yet. And I want to shine the light on what you're doing. Is there anything else that the audience needs to know about you uh, before we get chatting? No, I appreciate that. And, you know, part of part of. uh your story about how you kind of stumbled upon me is, has been a really uh, just part of kind of this journey of, of being, becoming more into the community, I guess. I've been in a paranormal stuff in Bigfoot my whole life and, um, you know, from childhood and then it goes in phases as an adult and it never goes away, but it's only until, you know, that Freeman video went up, which, which got views beyond my wildest dreams. And I can, mm. you know, I can talk a little bit about how that came about, but, you know, part of it, part of it is just, wow, this is, this is like talking to people that I've been following for a long time or, you know, newer folks in the community. So it's been a real privilege that people have even said yes to me wanting to talk to them. I'd like to do more of those interviews. Um, but anyway, aside from my Bigfoot interview series on my YouTube channel, which is most relevant to this topic, mm -hmm. uh, yes, I'm a musician. Like you said, um, all my stuff is online. Uh, what else can I say? I'm a screenwriter. 
Um, I had a screenplay optioned about a year and a half ago. We're still trying to get that set up. Um, I'm actually currently working slowly on a Bigfoot themed screenplay, a new one. Um, I'm a creative director by that's my day job. And I work at a, a global digital advertising agency. I've been doing that for, uh, 20, over 20 years. So that's been my career after my early twenties where it was all and mid twenties, it was all about music doing that all the time. Um, I'm also an illustrator and all of these things are kind of connected in a weird way. They, they, <laughs> they play into my, um, Bigfoot interest in, I guess, like, uh, involvement in the community so far. So it, it's all tied together. I'm just a guy, creative guy and creative professional. I'm a dad of two kids. Um, I live in Marin County, California, and uh, yeah, just super humbled to to be talking to you and and appreciate um, the conversation that we're about to have. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was glad that you agreed to come on. So I always like uh, we'll start at at the beginning, and I'm, I'm curious, uh, what is it that you know, most people are introduced to Bigfoot maybe as as a younger kid through something. What was it that sparked your interest in uh, that cryptid? That's a great question. Um, I'm a child of the '70s, so okay. it was probably like a, a a blip here, blip there. But you know, I would say the very first memory I have of anything Bigfoot was my dad took me to uh, a, a matinee, and it was like it was that movie Sasquatch. Um, you know, with the silhouette and he's like silhouetted against the woods and, and all that. And that oh, was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Abe Canyon, um, encounter was a big part of that movie. And it made, a, you know, it was like a monster movie for kids. And that just sparked this kind of lifelong fascination with it. I checked out the same books in the library over and over again about the topic. There were probably like six to eight of them, you know, there were these pioneering researchers like John Green, I think. But I was also, as a kid, more interested in the picture books and kind of the eyewitness accounts because they were so frightening and sort of like, wow, like I spent all my time in the woods. Like, I wonder if this thing is out there. It just sparks your childhood imagination. And I've always loved nature and and wildlife. But I, I would say that movie might have been one of the first kind of you know, things that really sparked interest along with like, then it was like the $6 million man. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> the big foot in there. Stuff. Exactly. Classic. But even, but even yeah. as a kid, I wanted to know more, you know, I wasn't just about, Oh, I'm entertained by this monster thing. Like, what is this? Oh, wow. It's real. And it went on to, you know, reading actual books about the subject as early as I'd say like nine, 10 years old, you know, that in uh, remind me, did you did you grow up then on the West Coast as well? No, I'm actually I moved here about um, close to 20 years ago now. Uh, I'm from the East Coast originally, the Philadelphia area, and even oh, an fun. hour outside of that. Yeah, very. I grew up in a very rural uh, town, Douglasville. There's Monocacy Hill was right across the street from us, literally, and that was kind mm -hmm. of my my playground. But I. All, a lot of my childhood friends had acres of a few had acres of property um, and we would just get lost exploring the creeks and in the woods for the day, you know, the entire day till 
till sundown. So that was that was like a really big part of my childhood. That and getting poison ivy. It's just spending <laughs> yeah, so much exactly. time in nature. <laughs> that that's funny. Uh, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Pennsylvania is such a such a wild place. There's a lot of Bigfoot action uh, in there as well as you probably are uh, aware. Oh, yeah. So was it a thing? You know, you know myself, my story, and I've heard this story repeated where it's like you're into Bigfoot as a little kid. You kind of uh, during high school, you're like, eh, whatevs, and then something snaps, and you remember you're a weird person and you come back to it is it kind of like that or how did that go about that that is so well said i mean you're you're probably the first person i've ever talked to believe it or not that put it that way because it really is that way it's this weird subconscious Mm -hmm. um itch or something and that's exactly what's happened to me since since childhood where it's like you know high school it's just like i don't i don't know how much i thought about it not too much but then um, on and off, you know, in college, I visited Western Pennsylvania, the Chestnut Ridge, and Stan Gordon has documented all of that wave of sightings in oh, yeah. silent invasion. So I, I actually explored, that was my first squatching trip. I took a friend who is not necessarily a believer, but also into the outdoors. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of kind of, you know, that I did that in my early 20s or my mid 20s. Actually, okay. no, that that trip, that trip would have been when I was about 30. And then uh, a few years before that, I'm, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to connect all these mm-hmm. like ups and downs. A few years before that, when I was about 26, I wrote the first, I wrote this Bigfoot theme screenplay that I'm actually like revising okay. now. Um, and I got super academic about it again, all over again, as an adult, that was like a rediscovery for me. Cause I was like, all this time has passed. There's more books out now. Um, mm-hmm. people like Grover Krantz and, and, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting somebody else that I don't think it was Jeffrey Meldrum, but you know, just like some other experts in academia were stepping forward and writing books about this, which I don't remember happening as a child. And, um, drew this little library of Bigfoot books. And then it was like, I moved to California and it's just really part of the culture out here, especially the farther you go North. And it just, it reignited um, this interest in me. And I I, I do want to mention a really big bump in that interest was there's a Facebook called a Facebook page called um, Facebook finding Bigfoot. And my friend Tom, who was my partner in crime on all my, past 10 years of doing an annual, you know, field expedition, or I try, we, we, we're not like what I would call serious researchers on the field, but it's like, we'll go to hot spots, We'll go to famous locations, but he turned me onto this site and, and I was visiting him in Los Angeles and he was showing me this, these videos that this Facebook page would post. I don't know if you remember that Facebook page or you're familiar, but like, I am actually uh, not familiar with it. So they posted a series of really, I thought were excellent videos. This was probably 10 years ago that would break down footage, you know, like the Freeman footage, Patterson Gimlet footage, uh, Marble Mountains footage, and and break down like consistencies in the, in the anatomy, in in the morphology, in the footprints, in behaviors. So they would break down certain eyewitness counts. And it was really like before, 
YouTube caught fire and before um, anybody was really aggregating or analyzing this sort of stuff on the internet. And I was, just, right. I was, just, I, my mind was blown because I was like, God, they're right. Like they're really put, you know, they're really putting, connecting the dots in a way that nobody I had seen up until that time had been doing. And I thought mm. their videos were great. I thought, I thought they were very credible. I thought the way that they analyzed things was, was awesome. Unfortunately, they were apparently hoaxed by Rick Dyer um, when he had that dummy making the rounds. Oh <laughs> and they, they publicly bought into Rick's dummy and story. And, and like, I think they, they were so ashamed that they shut down the page. Oh, wow. Okay. They went into hiding and they had never revealed, oh, to my knowledge, their real identities. And they had never resurfaced that page or all of that work that they had done. And I thought it was a shame because they were doing some really great work and turning new you know people onto the research probably that normally wouldn't have been exposed to it. They also self-published a book about um, they were a very flesh and blood camp, as we call it. But they also published a book about Bigfoot evolution and how it was like the missing link from a very Darwinian perspective. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time not totally buying into that and thinking, but it's still cool that they're putting out a book about this and theorizing. So I don't know what became of them, but that was a very big bump in, in rekindling my interest in this topic and making it per, that interest pretty consistently that fire has okay. been kind of alive. I mean, I'm not on this 24 seven, but like since then I would say that, um, and my, you know, my, like I said, when you have a friend, I think to take trips with and talk about this stuff with, it's like almost like having a support group. You, you, I'm sure you're oh, yeah. familiar with that concept. Oh, definitely. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, it sounds like, do you think someday we might uh, get to see more of this uh, screenplay that you've, you're you uh, trying to uh, revitalize? Or yeah, absolutely. I it will get it will get done. Um, oh well, it's a it's a matter of. I I think I I need to be more focused and consistent on it because like I have two kids. I've got a day job and and mm -hmm. while I'm able to, it's you know, screenplay takes about eight months. I think for me. And if I were working on it full time, it would be closer to, you know, maybe two or three, which is a standard film industry deadline. I'm writing speculatively, meaning I'm not on assignment. I'm writing it for myself with the hopes of getting a film right. set up. That's what we're trying to do with this other non-Bigfoot related um, script, one of seven that I've written over time. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to share it. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know what, if it, I might even share it when I'm done writing it with the community just to kind of crowdsource feedback, get people's opinions and, and entertain them before it becomes a, a 40, $50 million movie, knock on wood. That's like playing the lottery. Right. You know, that that's always the hope. Right. But. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I, I wish the, the best for you with that. And uh, that, man, that that would be cool. Who knows in the future, it'll be something big and people can come back to this you know, your interviews and, and, uh, watch this interview and that'd be kind of cool. Um, <laughs> you mentioned, uh, do you have a, a pretty good, uh, what's in your Bigfoot book collection? So it's back there behind me. Um, I know some people have much more extensive libraries dedicated to this topic and it, it's certainly what I have in terms of physical copies right now. I don't, it wouldn't be a fraction of what I've read in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. 
um, I've probably read ten. I don't know, maybe maybe tens of thousands of eyewitness accounts since I was a kid. Um, I have books from David Polites, his his missing four one one in Hoopa area research, tribal Bigfoot, etc. I thought that was some really um, interesting, great work. I recently finished Monsterland, a digital copy of that by Ronnie LeBlanc Ronnie, yeah. of yeah. Expedition Bigfoot. Um, I've read Michael Freeman's book, which I thought was excellent as well. A very different kind of experience and book. There's multimedia in it. And, um, you know, he talks about that in my interview with him on YouTube. Uh, I'm just going off recent history. I'm taking a peek back here to see what else I have. Sam Gordon's book, uh, Silent Invasion, about the Western PA things that have the wave of UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings in the 70s. Um, Lauren Coleman's book. I, I could go on. They're, they're, That's awesome. <laughs> there's a number just, of digital uh, and in print. Oh, yeah, exactly. I just picked up uh, Know the Sasquatch by uh, uh, Chris Murphy. Uh, on Kindle, just because it, you know, you can search it quickly. But man, everyone needs a copy of that book. My goodness, I don't know if you've ever read it. It is so no, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down. Know the Sasquatch. Remember I'm those old, like open to reading good ones about those uh, DK eyewitness books from when we were younger, and they had all the pictures and so. stuff. And um, it's imagine that, but for Bigfoot and like all the Bigfoot history, and it's like Bigfoot history from. Uh, way back, you got the Native American stuff all the way up to the Snell Grove Lake incident from Monster Wow. Pass. It's and it's got all the history in there. So you gotta check it out. It's so good. Uh, and what was the DK book series from from our childhoods? Oh, just an example. I was I was trying to use. Just imagine a book that's really like has a lot of pictures and is super detailed, and uh, that that's what Know the Sasquatch is. So oh, super it's, cool. That sounds great. That, yeah. Uh, good, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and you're in a, a perfect area. I mean, from what I've heard, I talked to a few guys and they're like, yeah, you go to estate sales out here, yard sales, you find all sorts of Bigfoot books. And you could, this one dude I talked to, he was like, I've got like four copies of Patterson's book from estate sales. <laughs> I'm like you lucky son of a gun. That's funny. <laughs> but anyways, um, you have a really interesting blog that I was able to read through. And it sounds like you may even have more uh, adventures. You, you call out two of them in the blog. Uh, the um, Well, let's talk about uh, one of them first. Let's talk about, you've actually been to Bluff Creek. Uh, yes. Tell me about, uh, you know, that's uh, not a place I've been able to go to yet. It's kind of, you know, one of the Mecca sites for, for big yeah. footers, but uh, it's extremely hard uh, to get there uh, unless you have some sort of uh, connection or information source. So I'd be really curious about how that journey went for you. Yeah, that's a, it was a journey, literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't get there until our third attempt, actually. But wow. and, and our second trip out there, the first trip, first of all, Hoopa is very remote. Um it's it's a very very small town. That that's what would be, I guess, the nearest town to that site. Then you have to travel at least. I I'm going off memory. I I mm. think what I'm saying is accurate. I think you have to travel like twenty to thirty minutes to Orleans, which isn't. 
I don't even know. It's a it's a town on the map, but it's really like there's a couple of buildings there. I'm sure there's okay. other residents, you know, tucked in the woods or whatever. But like you're you're really out there. And um, Hoopa, to my understanding, is is a lot of Indian Native American uh, reservation sure. land. And it's not the kind of place that you can just kind of wander off. We were warned by the like the one hotel that's there. Um, you know, the proprietor at the time was like. Don't just like kind of wander off around here because of the pot growers and oh, yeah. some of it is off limits and all this other stuff. Um, so our destination for the for the Bluff Creek Patterson Gimlin site was Six Rivers National Forest. I give you that sort of like that was our our bait our home base where where we stayed. You know, we didn't plan on overnights. We don't do overnights. I've done them before, but our focus is kind of like long day excursions. And our first trip out there, you know, we were, I think we were struck by like how, how really far out there you are all the way in Northern California. And it's, it's just not, it's not your typical trailhead kind of experience, trail markers, all that stuff. So we got directions. I think it was online from some, you know, Bigfoot organization at the time. And we end up driving, it's like 30 miles um, up a mountain to just to get to the logging roads. We didn't wow. see a soul. It's all mountain driving. We saw a bear cub. A bear cub just kind of walks in front of the car. We didn't tell anybody. And this is when we. I wasn't really experienced. Super. I was a very experienced hiker, but not as experienced. It's sort of like, um, hey, you got to prepare well because it's nature against you. And not to be dramatic, but you want to. You know, you want to be prepared. We didn't even tell anybody where we were going that day. Um, and so as we're losing some light, because it's getting later in the day, uh, you know, I'm realizing how far out we really are. We're not seeing any car or cars. Um, I said to my friend, I don't know if this is such a great idea. And <laughs> he, he is not as experienced a hiker as a hiker as, as I am. And um, I, I think he was kind of, taking it lightly. And I was like, let, we should turn around and, mm. pr and, pr and do this right. Right. So, uh, the next day we got, we, we got as far as logging roads and, you know, we're in a sob convertible, right. And oh, it's not, wow. it's not the car for this. We're, we're, no, it's not. I don't, I don't know what kind of elevation it, we're up there, but like you, you fall off the road or something goes weird with your car. It's like, there is nothing that's going to stop you and you're, hundreds of feet up. So I'm not afraid of the remoteness. It's really, it's more um, the, the what could go wrongs that I'm kind of calculating even on day two. So we got about six miles away from, based on logging road markers, we got about six miles away from the site, but we had to call it again because um, we were like, can we, can we cover 12 miles plus it, it, you know, and how dark is it going to be by that point? I mean, we set out early. So that was like, we didn't make it to the site really in our first foray out there. It was only my blog post talks about when we did make it out there. But, but, you know, by then I knew enough and we had done more of these kinds of trips. We rented a Jeep Wrangler. I had a okay. spare tank of gas. I yep. had, um, enough water and food for for three days and not like oh a giant core i'm talking about just like enough trail mix that if my 
if somebody hurts their ankle or something and one of us needs to walk back or something goes wrong with the car, you, you know, one of us needs to walk back. So I know it sounds mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous and maybe over prepared because I've seen like old people go to this film site, but again, it's just about, it's all, it's about enjoying the experience. Like the safety is about enjoying it and kind of making sure that, you know, something like that doesn't happen. Like we had a spare tire, things like that. You just want to have these basic survival things in place. Then you can enjoy it. Right. And even on that trip, we had gotten, we had to park our Jeep. um, Instead of six miles this time, it was, I think it was close to a mile and a half, two miles, but there was a, there was a log across the, the Mm -hmm. overgrown trail um, that we, there's no way we were going to lift it. It was an entire tree. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how many men it would have taken to actually lift it, but we had to disembark from the the car at that point and make our way in. And it's actually a beautiful, beautiful area. It's a beautiful spot. The water is this weird blue color that you don't Mm. see in creeks very often, but it's just, it was, it was a, a magical spot and it really still does feel it's certainly remote enough where you're you're just kind of like hey who knows anything could happen who am i to you know when we take these trips it's not like we're hoping to see sasquatch this time of course we do but we 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 take it thinking like hey that could happen but we get an awesome hike out of it and we can check you know check it off that we visited this site that kind of oh sure so it was was super exciting and on the bucket list and and an amazing experience so you get to, you know, the place where you had to park the Jeep. Then, uh, so you actually found the filming spot. You had directions to get to the actual filming spot. What was it like when you got to that spot and you're like, wow, you can start to see things. You're starting to point, pick things out that you see in the footage. So the instructions we got, from some correspondence with uh, a Bigfoot organization, I think it was the Bluff Creek Project or something. I'm I mean, personally, Bluff I would, Creek Project, yeah. I prefer the place to remain a bit unspoiled and kind of hard to sure. get to, because that lends to the experience. Maybe that sounds a little selfish, but um, and there's like you know somebody put like a Bigfoot sticker on one of the logging road markers yeah. and you know this organization has a log book down in the creek for people to sign which i i didn't find apparently i was a few feet away from it but um yeah that's how we that's how i found it it did take some uh research and and correspondence it's not it's not an easy place to get to and should probably stay that way mm-hmm. um it is very, like I said, if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, I, w- I really wouldn't advise people to just kind of like hop in their VW bug or whatever and, and try to make a go of it. It's really something that's like, it takes preparation and you should know what you're doing to go in the road, in the, in the woods that far, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, driving mountain roads, like logging roads that are that high up and stuff. It, it, it's, it's not a risk-free endeavor, I would say. I would say it's, it's an extremely uh, risky endeavor. And I, I've talked to 
a lot of different people that have been there. And the stories I've heard of people uh, popping tires, messing up axles. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a story of Daniel Perez, how his uh, trailer, he's trying to drag a trailer down there and uh, the trailer goes off the side of the road, I believe. I may have even caught on fire. You ha- you have to listen to his interview on Bigfoot and Beyond. It's an extremely oh my uh, crazy story. You got to check that out. But uh, it is not something to take lightly going to the Patterson Gimlin film site. You know, something no. I've heard as well is sometimes people that are there, they have just like weird observations or it's just some... Did you notice, was there anything weird going on there or... I've heard stories, but I don't know if. Well, you know, how, you know, how people say, "Oh, this feels squatchy," like on Finding Bigfoot, yeah. or this, this or that feels squatchy. To be honest with you, I, 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 th- I think it's a very it is extremely remote. Like I said, you you just can't hear a pin drop. There's no planes mm. even that seem to oh, cross wow. over the area. Um, that's a that's a great question because there is a vibe to it. Uh, especially that site because the creek is very active. It's not a dry creek. And just like between the water and the life around it and the density of the woods, you can't really, every woods is different. And this, these woods in my experience or in my, the way I experienced it are very dense. You can't kind of see a tree line from that creek. It's, It's so thick that, it's like you can see so far through the trees, but after 20, 50 feet, you know, you don't wow. know, like, kind of, I can't see up. I can't see across. I remember calling back to my friend as we're kind of winding our way, bushwhacking a little bit yeah. um, to find to find the logbook. And just kind of like, it, it doesn't, it's not one of those, again, a kind of typical hiking park type of experience. Now, there's some... Anyway, getting back to the squat, the squatchy aspect of it, I I can't say if there's activity there or not anymore. I cannot mm. definitively say that. I will sure. say that there's a bit of a vibe for sure because of the remoteness. Um, it's certainly a prospect with the waterways and the food supply. I would think in that Absolutely. area. Um, in terms of weird stuff, yes, I, I, there, that's a definitive, yes, some weird quirky stuff going on there. First of all, there's a picnic table down there of all places There's a by, <laughs> by the creek. So it's like, man, we just like, you know, you gotta get that down 50, there, dude. 30, 40 to 50 miles from like a cell, a cell phone tower and, you know, a super tiny town to get here, but there's a picnic table here. Okay. That's odd i would love to know who put it there um and it's in this nice clearing it's in this nice clearing that's not a man-made clearing it's almost like this little mini meadow and um i guess it's to chill out while you're visiting the spot i don't know the other quirky things um one of the weirdest thing i've ever seen in the woods happen on the way there on one of the logging roads this is on the our first trip there's a, I have video of this. I'd have to dig it up, but there's, there's a, a fern like plant that is just like shaking like this and there's no wind. And it was, we're both looking at it and it wouldn't stop. There's no, there's leaves all around us, woods all around us. We're on a mountain road. I don't know. I, I forget the elevation of six rivers when you're up there. I want to say 
anywhere, I, I, I don't know, four to 7,000 foot elevation. But there's this plant just shaking back and forth. Now, I'm a skeptic first. Okay. Always a big food believer, but I'm a skeptic first. I'm very scientifically minded. And I'm like, this can't be wind. And uh, is it a tremor in the earth? It's just a rhythmic tremor that's making this plant literally, like, like my hand is doing. Mm. It's just back and forth, wow. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. There's no other leaves around us doing this. None. On the trees, on the ground. That was super weird. I'll never forget it. And then the other, um, and it kept doing it when we walked away. <laughs> it never stopped. Really? Oh, super man. bizarre. And, and um, I'm trying to think of some other quirks about the place, but it, it does have like a weird vibe. I mean, it's just like, a, it's an sure. odd spot. It's just so far away from anything. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff that I jotted down in my sort of travel diary or, or travel notes um, that stand out. The picnic table definitely was, was strange. I didn't, I have to say, I didn't see anything else that was sort of like, squatchy or indi you know and in would indicate uh any presence of of uh anything weird i don't even think mm. we saw any wildlife on these trips except for that bear cub i mentioned we didn't see any deer we didn't see any bears we didn't see any uh mountain lions um you know i don't even remember seeing a rabbit honestly it was it's 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 that's another kind of weird thing about it i you just don't see, I didn't see on the three times I've been in that area, I haven't seen sort of like wildlife, you know, jaunting around the way I normally do in the woods. So mm. I don't know if that's highly unusual, but. It is weird. Um, so you've got, you've got video that you took from, from down on your journey there. Oh man, that's cool. I took photos. I don't, I don't remember taking video because. I, I don't know why I didn't I didn't think to. Sure. I probably should have taken videos when I was down there, but I I think some of the the stills that I took are on my blog post. Um, yeah, there I, I should have taken video and I didn't. I would like to go back to that spot just because it's 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 fun on some level to try to get out there, and it really is a special place. What my other observation. I think from one of your earlier questions about my impression, overall impression was when you're looking at the Patterson Gimlin film, it looks like a very wide open space. Sure, yeah, exactly. Like this looks like a football field of space and, and Patty is across that football field or 50 yards, hundred yards away of space. When I was down there and I had walked quite a bit up and down the Creek. Cause I was like looking for the log book and like the exact spot, which Again, I was, I, I, I think I was there. Um, the logbook was what I didn't find. Okay. But I didn't, there's, there is none of that feeling of, it, it feels very closed in and uh, mean, meaning it's not this big open area that, you know, you see on the film. It, it, it's a, it's a pretty tight Creek. And if you see aerial photos of that area, it looks like pretty tight as well. Like, Hey, there's the exactly. bank of the Creek, but it's, it's, it's little to nothing. And it winds through very, very deep, thick woods. And that's what, that's what I was walking through. In fact, I had a pair of uh, river shoes, like surf shoes. Oh, sure. And so just, just to get around up and down the area, like I had to be in the water 
And my friend couldn't do that. So he was kind of bushwhacking on the side, on the banks or whatever. But like, that's how I was getting up and down after the, the hike into the area. Um, so I, I think there's probably something to, and there are people who are much have gone into extremely deep dives on this, like the scale and, oh, this tree was so, there. It's still there. Yeah. I know why, because I've compared it <laughs> yeah. digitally and all this other, I don't do, I'm not quite that down the rabbit hole on right. it, but um, I would say that I, I did go to film school and, you know, being somebody who's into film and shot films and all that other stuff. I think that the camera, I used to own a Super 8 camera as a kid, and I think it probably creates a bit of illusion and a sense of, uh, or an illusion around your depth of field and your sense of perspective. Um, meaning it, it looks, I think that, I think, and Bob Ginlan would know the answer to this and Patterson, uh, you know, Roger Patterson, but like, I think they are a lot closer to Patty than mm. what we see on film. I think that it was like, holy crap, that, you know, that, that thing is right across from this relatively not wide Creek. You know, a lot of creeks are called creeks in California. They're like, that's a, that's a river. That's huge. Okay. This was a Creek. This is a Creek. Now in some spots, I'm sure Bluff Creek, we've seen it in other areas where it does open up and it gets bigger, but not that big. Right. And it's dry. It's a dry Creek bed. It looks like in the Patterson Gimlin film. So my impression of the site is that I doubt when you see it, it's going to be like, yeah, it looks like the, it, it does not look like the Patterson Gimlin film. And it's not just because the woods change in, in the past have changed, have changed, you know, fairly radically in the last, uh, what is it, 60 years or whatever it is since that was shot. Um, everything's overgrown. The landscape is a bit different. The creek is still there, right? Oh, but yeah. with that, that did make an impression on me. Like, I thought, I thought it would be this big, wide open space like you see in that film, and it doesn't look that way. And I think, like I said, part of that is due to how the camera... Uh, flattens things or deepens things, whatever you want to call it. it. It changes perspective a little bit. So when I hear about Bob Giblin, when I hear him talk about the experience or read about their experience or whatever, it, or even just like their estimates of how far away Patty was from them, I think that they had a much more sort of immediate visceral kind of, holy crap, like we, we kind yeah. of surprised this thing and it surprised us. It's right there. Like get your camera and He's running after it and all this other stuff. I think it happened so fast, but that they were closer than it looks to us. It's just, it's, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, internet. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't worry, they will. Um, and they'll be correcting me as well, which I, I hope they do. Um, yeah. It's a great thing about the Bigfoot community is there's a lot of smart people and they will let you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's just fascinating talking. I love talking to people that have been to places like uh, Bluff Creek. So you're going to, you know, it sounds like you're going different places every year when you're going to look for Bigfoot. The question, I guess the question is, what are you expecting to see or in your mind, what is Bigfoot? Great question. Another great question. Um, I keep my eyes and ears open. I think it's really important and taken for granted. And if you're not experienced, I wouldn't even say seasoned at quote bigfooting, you know, whatever that means to people. Um, 
I think if you are more experienced at being in the outdoors and using your powers of observation that everybody has in the context of nature, that's kind of what I'm, I'm keeping those senses on. So what I'm looking for, it's not just visual, right? It's like mm-hmm. that, even that term suggests visual. Now, our, we're primarily visual creatures. These are tr- attached to our brains. Mm-hmm. These two, these two input units, whatever you want to call them. Um, but if you're not looking, you're going to miss something. If you're not looking a little harder than just like taking a stroll through the woods and not paying attention, you will miss something. Um, and I know this from my witness accounts. I know this from aggregated accounts of Bigfoot behavior. And I don't pretend to know I'm, you know, I talk to Bigfoot psychically or anything crazy like woo woo like that, but mm-hmm. they know they are way better than us from everything I do know. Um, they are way better than us, far superior to us in terms of um, sneaking around and oh, sure. deception. Whether we're talking about they're more sort of down to earth sort of physical skills or we're talking on that end of the spectrum that gets into clairvoyance and throwing voices and mm-hmm. um acting in concert as a team uh or a pack whatever you want to call it um mimicking animal sounds um presenting little gifts or sort of weird signs out there. So it's like, we, we know they do these strange things that are just high strangeness. We know that, but if you're not looking and I'm, I'm only talking about one sense right now, you will miss stuff. So I try to like, mm. and my, my friend knows this that I hike with, but like, I do try to keep my eyes open. I look around, especially on the ridges, not just in front of me and not just kind of on the side, but really like, stop stop for a little bit take a look around on the ridges take a look around listen and just pay attention to what's going on out there and i can tell that's actually you know netted some interesting things so when i was in the marble mountains wilderness area for example i would say about 50 yards away from me way off the trail and deep in the woods I saw, um, and we were bushwhacking it to get across a creek because we couldn't get across on the trail. I saw two deer that were clearly startled by something, and they were they were like you know whipping their heads around, trotting away from something and stopping. Like, did we get away from that? Like, what the hell is that? Wow. Now, I grew up with deer all over the place. Even when I lived in Center City, Philadelphia, there was a deer overpopulation problem <laughs> in Fairmont Park. I don't see your, I don't see deer spooked like that. I've never seen deer spooked like that, let alone two of them at a time. Of course, we see deer travel together, but like that was weird. That was unusual to me. I'm not attributing it to Bigfoot. I'm not going to do that and make that leap. But if I hadn't been keeping my eyes open for like what's beyond my feet and my immediate concerns of not, you know, tripping into the creek or whatever, which was several feet below. I wouldn't have seen that site and that actually made me want to push further into that direction, which I did. And my friend knew why I wanted to, and those deer disappeared. Like they still, they took off. And so I I bring this up because 
I heard I I heard that first, I think, and then I saw it. I got eyes on it, right? But like if I weren't I don't have any special ability, but I know how to keep you know my my senses up, my eyes and mm. ears open. And then there's the kind of sixth sense too, which is just like trusting your instincts if something feels Sure. Weird or off, I I could swear it directs my eyes to certain things. I'll, another example is uh, of that kind of phenomenon. In Marble in the Mountains, there's a, a hike I've done three times that I love because it follows uh, a a waterway, a gushing big waterway all the way up to um, the area of that sighting, King's Castle, that was videotaped by this um, Cub Scout troop or special group special needs group and their counselor many years ago that was a spot i wanted to get to and i knew i wasn't going to get there on the kelsey trail i actually got to that spot a different way but the the it's it's a it's a cliff the whole walk for miles is just if you fall you're you're not coming back i mean it's it's like it's a it's a deep 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 drop and there's a bear mother and her cub down there this was probably, I'd say, if I had to guess, 150 yards away. I always feel very fortunate to see things like that. I did not see it because it was in front of me. In fact, it was tucked all the way down there. I'd say, if I had to estimate, at least 75 feet down, 100 feet down, across the creek on the other side, through some branches and whatnot that like okay we have to walk a little bit so that we have a clearer view of that right but like if i weren't paying attention i wouldn't have seen that i'm sure i wouldn't have i didn't hear them um so it's just i think it's just a testament to as i continue to to do this and like i said i spent my whole uh, years and years and years in the woods and i don't even consider myself to be some great outdoorsman or survivalist um but I know how to pay attention, and I think that's going to be very important to those who are not lucky enough for kind of Bigfoot. To, hey, he just walked in front of me or she or whatever, just walked in front of me, and it was, it was an accident. I don't know anything about Bigfoot. I'm just an eyewitness, right? It's like for those who – I think for those of us who know better, you'll probably miss something if you're not paying attention because they are better – in this respect, and two, because uh, we aren't great at paying attention, right? No, to, not like, at in all. A, in a three sixty way, we are our our perception is is very narrow, and our brain is telling us like how narrow that should be, the vast majority of the time. Some questions about <clears throat> Marble Mountain and to make sure people have the context of what we're talking about. So if you've seen the sighting video of the youth group that is looking up on the ridge, the hill, and they see a really large figure walking around, that's what Rich is talking about, the Marble Mountain area. So Rich, were you actually in that area of that sighting? Sorry Sorry to interrupt. I I think that footage is a hundred percent legitimate before <laughs> really that even I do. Yeah. So just, you, you think it is a hundred percent legitimate. Yeah. I, I just don't know how that, I don't know how that could be 
fake. Now there are obviously more clear contenders um, mm-hmm. for is it legit or not, but that's one that I I I like to think as a filmmaker and somebody who's studied special effects quite extensively since high school. Um, I can't say like, oh, I've worked in the industry professionally or anything like that, but I have worked at companies that okay. produce movie technologies for the film industry and the, and the music industry. Um, so I am a pro audio and multimedia professional sure. to some degree. I don't have written criteria for like why this is fake or some sort of checklist. It's just something I feel like I innately can spot. Mm. And there, there, there are some films online where some people believe it's real. I don't, I don't think some of these are real. Um, the Marble Mountains footage is one that I do think is is legit. I used to think that it was fake and it was just a dude on top of a mountain but then i found a whole copy of it and i really watched it and at the end there's the part when the figure is walking in the middle of those trees and you i mean you realize how tall those trees are and you're like whoa that figure is really tall and it just like it blows your mind we've talked about perspective and scale and yeah that's part of what sells it for me is I've been there. I've I've been to King's castle again. It was on the second or third try, I think. Um, But it is an absolutely gorgeous spot. We were there. I think it was like late April before the snow melted off. So it's like you, you work your way up and you're in normal seasonal woods or whatever. And it just, as the elevation gains, you know, we start to see some snow. You get to that area; it's like a snow-covered ridge, mountain type of thing, where it's just like you're in a winter wonderland, and it's just like it's mm. it's like being in another, on another planet. If you look at the photos on my blog post about that trip, it's it was really special. It, I can't I cannot describe the feeling of that spot. It was much more majestic in some ways than the Bluff Creek area. Mm. Um, but I bring I bring up sort of being there, not to pat myself on the back, but more to say, when you when you're when you're looking at that spot, that King's Castle, um, I didn't go up there. You can you can hike, and when you know all the snows melted off, you can sure. go to that ridge or the peak or whatever. It's high up there. I mean, I don't remember the exact elevation, but like that that's not a hill. That is a huge climb huge climb up a rock face hill um it's oh, not a hill wow. it's a it's not a mountain it's not a hill it's just like a gigantic cliff it's like a mini it looks like a mini yosemite or something right because again the video it 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 kind of looks like oh look up on the hill it's it's not a hill it is like a very tall okay uh, high elevation area i think for anybody um for a, for an average size man to be running around out there as kind of a prank would require an enormous amount of effort and mm. planning. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is what you observed about just this creature's height, man, creature, whatever you think it is. The trees up there are tall. So it's like you're looking at this figure in the video as big as it is. 
I think it'd be hard to spot a human, an average size human on that cliff um, without the thing being that big, if that makes sense. So again, I'm just going off memory and kind of my own experience. Sure. Um, and then, you, you know, you see things like the length of its arms. It's like somebody, you know, good point. Extending their arms with some sort of costume. Why are they even right. trying to do that? Why is it behaving in such an unusual way where it, like, it really does look like it's kind of throwing a fit at some point. Yeah. And even the nest, right. That they show in that video, how much time would it take for people to actually make something like that, which does to me does not look man-made at all, but rather looks like many other supposedly Bigfoot created nests out there. So again, I'm not, I can't say with hundred percent certainty, yep, that was a Bigfoot, but I, I feel like that, that footage is legit. And that area feels to me still feels like, there's the possibility of um, activity in that area, just because, like I said, there's there are food sources, the the water, there's a lake at that spot. There is a lake. It's a beautiful um, little lake, but like there's plenty of water up there and it, we didn't see a single soul. Again, uh, the three times I've hiked that trail, didn't even get to Marble Mountains. Not only that trail, which does have a trailhead, Again, very remote, but getting in the back way that we went, that we actually got there from, didn't see a single person, wow. not not one. So it's out there, and you know the the people that got the one of the sons, I guess, of the um, the dad that filmed that footage and took the camp, the youth group out there. I saw a video of him and I wish I could find it, but like he, he went back to that spot and I think it might've actually been with expedition Bigfoot. He took them out there and to this day doesn't say like, yeah, that was all big joke or hoax or whatever that my dad pulled. Um, again, internet, correct me if I'm wrong. If anything more recent has surfaced on that footage, like I said, I'm not going to go out on a limb and be like, "Yep, I'm 100 percent right. sure it's." But I, I believe it. I believe it is. I believe it is yeah. based on what I know and what I what I've seen. Where I I don't believe every piece of footage. There's a lot of really terrible footage out there that I think oh, actually, there is. I've seen on yeah. plenty of sort of top ten lists. I'm like, I'll give you one example: not the good. quote Fourth of July footage where this alleged Bigfoot is running across a, a very clear area with a quote baby i don't i don't oh, yeah. i don't buy that footage so you don't that like looks that like somebody in a monkey suit and it probably is but i don't yeah. i don't buy that footage for a second i'm not sure how i feel about that one yet i haven't i haven't spent enough time on that one um yeah i spent 10 man. seconds on it <laughs> yeah that's all you're gonna do okay um it's, it's bigfoot footage is so weird man it's like and people really get into it too but yeah. speaking about like sightings how do you think you've ever been in a situation where you've actually maybe been uh close to one or have had an encounter of some uh kind while you've been out you know yes uh it sounds like you've gone out a lot yes and i think it was by dumb sheer luck partially um okay. because i i don't operate or act like cliff brockman or you know 
really, really serious. Like this is their life, yeah. right? Like they're going you. out there yeah. with, with, with big foot related gear, plaster Paris and uh-huh. rulers and all that stuff. I go out with my iPhone and my body and my, my hiking gear. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you about my experience because it, it shows you how insane it is that it happened and how it really caught me off guard. Okay. Um, I ended up on the way to one of our chosen locations. It might have even been uh, Marble, you know, it was probably Marble Mountains or, or Willow Creek. On the way, a friend of mine, another friend, not my hiking friend, Bigfoot friend Tom, but my uh, this other, it was a guitar teacher, I guess, at the time. He was like, hey, I'm going to be at this campsite and meet me up there. It's on the way. And I was like, cool, we'll make an overnight of that. It wasn't a squatching trip. And the okay. only reason that I agreed to make that stop, the only reason was because I had read about an eyewitness account in a wooded, a very deep, deep again, not not like as intensely remote as Marble, Marble Mountains or Willow Creek, but far out there in, in mm. Northern California, pushing your way up there. And I had read an eyewitness account that seemed 100% credible to me because it was written by somebody, excuse me, who was very descriptive about the encounter, but not in a, not in a sort of, Hey, I'm interested in the topic sort of way. It was just like a guy. He was like, I went hiking one time and I had this crazy experience. Something was growling at me. It was huge. It was following my girlfriend and I was really scared. And I think it was Bigfoot. I've read, I've done all this research on Bigfoot since then so I was very convinced by this obscure eyewitness account, which I love because I scour the internet for such things. And like, um, that's why I agreed to go to this campground because it was a good 15 to 20 minute drive, right? From okay. this, this site. So this campground is not what I would call um, touristy. It is, you know, I, I don't want to say what it is. It was like 20... 20 lots or something like that. And um, I get awakened by this whooping sound. I'm in my tent. My friend Tom and I are in one tent. The other friend is in another tent. As this whooping starts, I, my first thought was like, I was annoyed that I was awakened and I thought it was a drunk camper. That was my very first thought. Not, Oh, that's Bigfoot. Good. Yay. Good for me. It yeah. was like, who the hell is out there whooping it up when I'm trying to sleep? So as I as I start to get my senses and wits about me, I realize it's like, I don't know, five five thirty in the morning, something like that. Okay. And I always keep my phone by my hand, not again, not for Bigfoot, because I want to see what time it is, if I want to look at it, whatever. And then I check the time, like, wow, it's like it it's not the middle of the night, but it's not dawn either and i remember my friend start was sleeping through this but this whooping keeps going and it's it is it sounds like exactly and i didn't know this at the time yes it sounds like other bigfoot whoops or whatever but it sounds exactly like the type of whoop that is in david polite's uh missing 411 documentary where they talk about the sierra sounds and they reenact oh, wow. some of that or whatever. Yeah. And when I heard that, yeah. the, the real whooping 
I remember almost jumping out of, of bed and saying, you know, I said to my wife, I was like, that's exactly what I heard. Only I heard it for like 10, 15 minutes. And I heard it with another person. And it, it just oh kind of just struck goodness. me like, it just struck me like thunder. But the weird part about it, if I'll get back to the actual experience, yeah. I was like, that sounds huge. And like I said, I've worked at pro audio companies, more than one. And I mix my own music. I'm, a, I'm an audio professional. I'm like, there's no way that's a human being. And I know what coyotes sound like. We have them living on the hills around our house for the last 10 years. I, I know what various larger wildlife sounds like. This thing sounded like the Hulk. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there's just no way a human could make whoops like that. I don't know why in God's name they would be doing that at that time, at that place. And so, as I, like I said, as my senses, I start to get my senses, I'm like, shut up, shut up, like to myself, like just be, I don't want to rustle my sleeping bag. And then my friend starts to rustle around and I didn't want to wake him up. <laughs> But I wanted him to be quiet so that I could continue hearing this. This is where it gets yeah. very weird. I hear okay. something calling back to this thing. Oh, my goodness. And it sounded smaller, and it sounded farther away, and it sounded not even as close to a, a deep voice like this, The what I'll call the adult, right? It sounded like kind of like a garbled, you know, kind of like, growling grunting or something back to it very faint very faint uh, this whooping however was not faint and it was just it was i can't describe it in any other way except how other eyewitnesses have described it or audio witnesses like it's almost like it cuts through the air you can almost like feel feel the sound not that it was so close that it was like vibrating in my chest kind of thing it was more the the depth the power of that sound cut through the night and the, the, mm. the words and like, then my friend wakes up. Okay. And he's like, what is that? And I was like, quiet, quiet, quiet. We keep listening. We're just both dumbstruck by what we're hearing. And it's just like this call and weird call and response thing going on between the adult and what I think is a juvenile. And, um, then the sun comes up like the, it's like the crack of dawn. And so my theory is that, and again, I am not going out on a limb enough to say like, that was Bigfoot that night. I, what I will say was the same thing that my friend said, well, if we're ever going to hear the Bigfoot like that, that was it. Like that was what it sounds like. And that's sure what it probably was. Sure. I have no other scientific worldly explanation for what we heard at a, for a prolonged period. And for somebody like me who knows, I, I knew vaguely at the time, like, Oh, Bigfoot's do whooping sounds. Right. I've heard a few on the internet, but when I, then I'd say a month or two later, when I watched that Paul Eddie's film and heard those particular ones, I was like, that is exactly what it sounded like. Only longer, wow. longer than that, because that those whoops are like, you know, whoop, whoop, like that sort of stuff. This was yeah, like, that's, that's increase good. that. Thank you. Increase that length by about, uh, I'd say five. That's how long really? they were going on. It was like, a, whoop, but it was that loud and that powerful. Yeah. Who the hell would be making that kind of noise where we were? Right. And so I walked away just thinking like that was just sheer deadlock that hadn't, that had a little bit to do with 
Bigfoot research and my knowledge of the topic. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'm going to hold the line of, of like, I am not that fanciful of a person. I'm scientifically minded. Of course, there's a possibility that some nut job was sitting out there with like enormous speakers <laughs> for right. whatever reason. Uh, it didn't sound artificial to me. Um, but you never know. Who knows, right? But like if they were going, if they were trying to imitate anything, it would have been Bigfoot calls. But like, I don't think that's what was happening. I actually think it's more realistic and plausible that there was a Sasquatch and a juvenile out there and what makes it even more plausible for me is you, if you study that area and the terrain um i wouldn't call it a hot spot it's not a hot spot it's not an area known for um a plethora of activity or anything like that but we were there during deer season to the point where it was like uh on the drive in you could throw a rock and hit a deer they're all over the place well, one there you go. Yeah. two it's a major waterway we're this campsite is along a major waterway and so my theory is that they not only have water it's kind of a a, an inroads to northern california possibly migrational i don't know and i think they travel along that river i'm going to Mm -hmm. i'm not going to make that assertion i think my theory is that they travel along that river they were possibly there on a rare occasion for food, I don't know how they think or what they're doing. They hunt, and I'm sure that they exist, and I believe they do, that they need to eat, whether they're from this dimension or multiple, right? I'm not going to go there. But they mm-hmm. need food and water. All researchers know that. And I think they need migration paths or trails that they know are not um, going to be visible. And so they'll choose waterways uh, you know, to walk along, whether it's on the bank or in the water. I don't, I don't know what they do to that degree, but that's my theory is that an adult was calling to a juvenile because the sun was coming up time to come up on. Let's go. We're going to go back to wherever they are going next. I don't, I have no idea. It's time to come in because daylight is here. Those howls stopped or whoops stopped exactly when the sun started to come up. And that's what that's what kind of to me that's that's what puts some pieces together for my theory of what happened, and I don't I'm not a I don't like I'm not a special person um, who ever wanted to gain attention from having a Bigfoot experience. I want to see one. I want to have an experience. I'm oh, not totally. going to lie about yeah. that. But I'm also not seeking fame and fortune because of some experience mm-hmm. or cash in on it, whatever. I'm, I actually care much. In fact, my I was so blown away by what I was hearing that I didn't even think to record it. I, well, you know, I was like, going to ask you to have an app, right? That you didn't record it with your phone. Yeah. No, because it was more important to me, and you can call BS. It was more important okay. to me, one, to experience it and hear it sure. because I wanted yeah. to know what was going on, right, and process it. And two... I couldn't wrap my head around it enough to pick up my phone. I, re- mm-hmm. I literally just was not, you know, people, people have that somehow have the presence of mind after five seconds of an experience. Oh, I'm going to pull out my phone. Something weird's going on. I didn't even think to do that. And this was an audio experience. And I didn't even think uh-huh. to get out of my tent because frankly, I was like, it wasn't because I was afraid. It was more like, I want to hear what's going on. 
this is a sound thing. I'm not going to find it by going out there because this thing was. Yeah, exactly. I'd say like not super far, but not super or not super close, but not super far away either. If I had to make an estimate, I would say it was like it's a five minute walk away. I am completely guessing on that. Right. right. Um, but I didn't have the presence of mind to record it. Now, I would next time. And again, it's one of those like learning things that I would oh, yeah, yeah. I, I take up in terms of my experience and presence of mind. Right. But I and, and again, the whole Internet can can call BS on this. I don't really care. I know what I heard. It, nothing will change. Again, it's not about I assert I heard Bigfoot. It's like I know what I heard and I sure as hell think I know what it was. Can I conclusively prove that? No, I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't be able to conclusively prove it if I had recorded it. It'd be another recording in the floatsome and jetsum of evidence and non-evidence, right? So, uh, yeah, and there's a there's a ton of that for sure. That is just a, that's a fascinating story, though, Rich. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you've mentioned a few times that you, you know, you've read a ton of different witness encounters, um, all different places. What are your, do you have, uh, what are your, your top websites to, to check out, uh, witness encounters and, or do you have like any, uh, that you're like, oh, I'm sure this is not the normal one. It's not like the BFRO or do you just stick to the like BFRO? That's a great question. I actually don't read BFRO, BFRO because I okay. heard that they discount. Um, it's not. It's not like a, oh, I do that on purpose. I have nothing against them. I I heard that they discount kind of these more paranormal aspects of the phenomenon. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And I've also heard from others that they kind of edit that stuff out and tell witnesses like, no, 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 you didn't see blue light. You just saw Bigfoot and stick to that. And so it's like, if you're going to have a record of such things, then make it like an honest, complete record. So I, I don't, again, I'm not here to like, I, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, nice just, it's an observation on your part. It's an observation. Yeah. So I don't, I don't scroll through that stuff. Now I've gone on their website to check out um, yeah. certain accounts in areas that I'm going to visit or I want to visit. Sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not, like I said, I'm not anti. I'd say I look at, I look at eyewitness accounts on kind of, you know, the Facebook groups as I, as I scroll mm. through, I think a lot of, there's a native American run account that um, I don't remember the name of it. Some of those are fascinating um, because I feel like it happens more often in those areas and probably with native Americans because of their history with Sasquatch. I don't have an explanation for that. Um, there's some sort of connection or tie there that I've talked to some of my guests and, um, I know that they believe, and they've overtly said that there is a connection there that we don't know everything about. I find it fascinating. And I think someday more might be revealed about that. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to be a conspiracy theorist. Um, but I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to get off topic. What, what was the original question? No, that you, you did answer it. I was, I was trying to get and uh, see if you had any secret spots for uh for bigfoot encounter you, you oh, uh, encounters, yeah yeah. I, yeah facebook groups there's a, a site i like it's actually more i discovered it on twitter sasquatch chronicles or encounters something like that um the bigfoot encounters just ah uh, i think that, so that one's great it's an older one yeah. by bobby short that one's great though i think that's the one i'm talking about but yeah. like 
I like how he clearly just reprints the things that people send in. And these people, I almost, I have a very high, I feel like a very good, I also have experience in um, police research for screenplays. And that's always okay. been another kind of interest of mine is, is um, forensic psychology and criminology, right? So I'm not a cop like David uh, or a law enforcement professional, but I know that world. And I know um, I have a good BS meter. And I think that mm -hmm. applies to both video stuff and stuff in writing. And I think that there's enough people that supply these encounters where they have absolutely nothing to gain. Uh, you know, they're submitted anonymously. I can tell that by reading some of them, they're terrified. In some cases, others, it's more wonderment, I guess, or sort of curiosity. There's also common threads of just like, I want to know more about this topic because they've had this experience or they're recounting something very often from years and years ago or their childhoods that they're like, I've been too embarrassed to talk about this for 40 years, but now I'm going to share that experience. So again, um, you know, there are a lot of things that lend credibility to certain eyewitness testimony. Like, is this person credible? The context around it, all that stuff. But yeah, there's plenty of good sites out there. Um, oh yeah. I think I need two of them where, these things come up obviously like shows like expedition Bigfoot's done an amazing job of interviewing eyewitness eyewitnesses. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that they do that. Actually, that should be part of these kinds of shows. Um, you know, I know finding Bigfoot has done that in the past. So uh, I wouldn't say like, Oh, I have these go-to places. It's more things, sites that I like. Um, one last one. There was a website that was pretty active called uh, Sasquatch Encounters or Sasquatch Believers or something like that. It was like completely okay. dedicated to, at one time, I think it was dedicated to like just written accounts that were anonymously sent in. And I remember mm -hmm. that a lot of really good accounts being on that site. It's kind of migrated more to like a content marketing type of site with a lot of ads and sort of peripheral yeah. Bigfoot content, gotcha. yeah, but I, gotcha. I liked it most several years ago when it was just like, stick to the eyewitnesses because to me, that's always going to, that anecdotal evidence is evidence, whether scientists want to discount that or not. Like, um, people in academia, you know, who, who deserve their scientists, that's their job is to be skeptics first. Right. But like, that anecdotal eyewitness evidence, you can convict people in a court of law in, in testimony like that. But like we've got hundreds of thousands over since the dawn of recorded history of these eyewitness accounts. So unless there's some sort of collective mass psychosis going on, yeah, I would I would think that the ones that are submitted anonymously in particular, you know, there's something behind that. Um, so I, I'm getting this realm of kind of like, is it real or not, or credibility? But like I'm talking about eyewitness credibility and the importance of those kinds of test, you know, testimonials. Um, the ad, they're they're a huge body of evidence. They're almost like more important to me than uh, physical evidence, like footprints and hair. I know that scientists, like for scientists, like that's as, that's like top dog that's as good as it gets even for mm -hmm. somebody like russ like russ has said to me 
Um, I want, I want hair. I want, you know, DNA. I want footprint because then I know what I saw right in front of me, which looks like a Bigfoot, even on the show, he, you know, they aired some footage that Russ got through a scope. Then I know it's a Bigfoot. It's like, for me, it's like, well, I take everybody's word for it. Any eyewitness testimony, that's, that must be true. That's not the, where I sit. I just think that like, to this, it, that, that to me will almost be more compelling is that body of evidence that just continues to grow over and over and over again every day and will never stop. It's never gone away. Why are all these people coming forward talking about these experiences? And, and, exactly. and here's the other thing. We talked about kind of my childhood through adulthood and how I followed this topic from childhood to adulthood, like I'm sure yeah. like many of the other people I've, I've, I've interviewed or researched. And that's not the case with many of those folks, by the way. I call myself an aggregator where it's like I've aggregated all of those eyewitness testimonies and, you know, oh, videos by this Facebook group of their behavior and stuff like that. Like there's patterns there. There are very strong patterns there that we know researchers at various levels like we recognize in the community. And there, here's the thing, since the advent of the Internet, more videos are going up, right? More stories are coming through. And uh -huh. we're seeing more of those patterns strengthen and they get weirder. Like the high so strangeness, you see patterns in the high strangeness patterns that um, I started to become much more aware of when the internet became a thing. And people like Mike Patterson started a YouTube video channel. I, I interviewed him, by the way, on my channel. But like, uh -huh. that's what I hear. I started hearing about like marble gifting, marbles gifting marbles. And, um, uh, I guess like eyewitness, you call them experiencers or repeat experiencers, um, you know, gift giving in the form of these little intertwined stick figures and uh, what do you call it? Tree structures. These are things that like, I didn't, we didn't know about those in childhood, but yet people like me and me and probably you have aggregated these patterns over time so this list of sort of Bigfoot related phenomenon not only gets weirder, but those patterns get more extensive, right? And they build far out above and beyond this kind of lost, undiscovered creature in the woods. I don't, I don't really, I think there's more to the Bigfoot phenomenon than that. And this growing list of anecdotal evidence, it's not physical evidence, it's adding to that, that belief collectively i think you know if not across the community but like collectively that anecdotal evidence is is extremely clear you know that there are some very weird things associated with bigfoot um above and beyond the giant hairy creatures roaming around the forests of north america and other corners of the world so they can't be just they they serve a very very important purpose in my opinion mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's very interesting. Are there plans to come out with, uh, are you planning to do more interviews on your YouTube channel? I'm just curious. I was taking a break because of the okay. holidays and, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, it's like between some of my other extracurricular activities like music, screenwriting, uh, 
you know, on top of having a family, all that other stuff. It's like, it's, it's right. like I have to be careful. I have to be careful about how I, you know, spend time and do these sorts of things. So it's kind of, I would consider that kind of like this hot batch of, of interviews that I wanted to do of the people that I really, I wanted to talk to the most. Um, and so I feel very fortunate that the people that were kind of like, Hey, these people are at the top of my list or whatever. Like I got to talk to all of them. That was like a thrill for me. And also I was super hungry at that time, <clears throat> you know, to kind of like, again, fortify my knowledge, learn more and engage more with the community in this topic, I guess, because that's been nothing but, but rewarding. Um, it's not, be, it's not really because like I'm a Bigfoot nerd and I want to go to conventions and rub shoulders with, with people all the time. That's right. not really no, nothing, no offense if that's your thing. That's not yeah. really my interest. It's like I said, I want to see one. I want to learn more about the mystery. I want to uncrack it, the mystery and um, understand what's going on because it's a, I think once we do, and I always believe that we will at some point it will alter humanity as everything everything i agree with you 100 percent. it'll all change 100 percent. yep and and who knows if things will remain timeless as they have been Mm -hmm. right or it's like my song is a bit tongue-in-cheek but one of the lines is something like um They've been around since time or something. I should know my own song. But <laughs> how long has this phenomenon been around since cave paintings? Yeah. Right? And, totally. and to this day, um, there's something we don't understand and we cannot control with this phenomenon because otherwise we would know what we need to know about it. I do think that the government knows much more than we know publicly about Absolutely. this topic. Absolutely. Um, But I still don't, I don't believe that they have full understanding of what I guess they can do, what they do, why they do it, why they're here, what they are, all that stuff. You know, all these Mm -hmm. things that we don't understand. I don't, I don't even know. I would doubt that the government really knows everything because I think I think they're going to hide things that they actually don't understand it because it's like, we can't control it. We know what we, it's a thing for sure. That's classified. We know it's a thing, but we can't control it. We can't, we don't know exactly what it is or why they're here or what they're doing, but just don't talk about it because we can't control it, you know, and it it will disrupt the machine. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, yeah, the man is a, you can go a lot of uh, different ways uh, with that one. And I agree with you. There's something something yeah. is, is going, uh, I, I believe the government is, is definitely involved somehow, but um, I want, I want to make sure that we touch upon a few things before the end of our time together. Um, one is we're going to play your song at the end of the interview. So listeners at the end of this interview, after the normal outro, stick around because I'm going to be playing Rich's uh, song, which is titled uh, Bigfoot's an Alien. And Rich's music is awesome. Uh, it reminds me of uh, classic 90s music that I still like to jam out to today. 
Uh, but what's what is the song about? Or sorry, what's the story behind Bigfoot's an alien? What? Where were you in your life when you wrote that song? There's got to be a, a story behind it. Well, thank you for that setup. First of all, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's a cool cool story behind that song. I had actually been working on a novel for something like five six years, oh, wow. and I, you know, I I've been a musician since I was thirteen. I was most intensely involved in running a van and all that in my early and mid twenties, but, and I had run a van on the West coast, both the East coast and the West coast. And I was taking a break from music to work on this novel. And I hadn't written a song, touched my guitar in something in like those six years. It was very dormant um, for me musically during that time. And once I finished that book project, I picked up guitar again and it was like that song. It's like, I won't say it wrote itself or some magical experience, but sure. it was really like this kind of pent up lifetime of the Bigfoot interest. And then also um, a volcano, I guess, from within on the musical front, because it, it did like, it came together really quickly. And I was like, I just want to record this in a professional studio versus me recording it myself and producing it, mixing it myself, which is what I've been doing for the last six, seven years. And even before that, in my all throughout my twenties and thirties, um, that's my default thing is to, re, you know, record my own stuff, produce it. But I wanted, I was like, I just want to have fun. I know it's a good song. I just want to have fun and have a professional help me out and make it sound awesome and super heavy. That was important to me. Right. And so I worked with this producer. I want to name drop because he's really great at what he does. Scott Lamas. He's in San Rafael, California, our okay. hometown here in Marin County. And then the the song, um, I, I wish I could say, yeah, then it got me a record deal and all this other stuff. But like it did, <laughs> it got attention and, and enough okay. without me trying at all, at all. Like I literally really? was like, I'm going to put this on my band camp page. I had no... Um, you know, like, oh, this is this is going to be number one with the bullet and I'll finally get that record deal. It was like, I'm going to put it out there. But like it got a really good response and got picked up by kind of like the power pop crowd and like people that did like 90s rock kind of music. Oh, yeah. To the point I was sufficiently encouraged. Where I was like, I'm going to do a whole album and I haven't done a whole album in a long time. And I haven't really done like a bonafide solo album with my name. Like I've always run a band with the name. Mm -hmm. So I, I, then I did an album and I put that online and it just kind of like got me into this whole, um, power pop internet community, I guess. So, you know, I'm by no means a household name, but I'm certainly, I, I have a platform, if you will, a niche platform with people that appreciate such music. And so that, that song always has this kind of special place in my heart is not only one of my favorites, but like it's, it is from the heart. And I, I, I believe in what it's saying. Not, not literally like, Oh, Bigfoot's an alien because that's up for debate. It's more, we don't know what the heck this is and it's been around forever and it will blow our minds if we ever really knew what is going on. And the more I talk to people like doc, you know, Dr. Simeon Hine, PhD, 
um, author of Dark Matters Monsters. My interview with him is on my YouTube channel. But the more I talk to people like him and other experiencers start talking about their experience and, you know, are kind of like plugged into this in different ways, the more I, the more I, I believe in, um, I, I'm with Ron Moorhead. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I became of that belief. I think like after I started to aggregate, like I said, some of these phenomenon in the eyewitness accounts, people like Mike Patterson coming forward, it just started to like creep into, geez, maybe there's something to this whole like weird wave of sightings in the seventies that mm. are well documented and that hundreds of people were part of, including law enforcement all over the uh, place. Maybe there's, maybe there's something to eyewitness accounts in the infinite amount of Bigfoot being associated with UFO sightings. I don't know if Bigfoot's an alien, but like what the hell's going on, right? You have to ask sure. him. You have to be open-minded enough like Tesla, like Einstein to ask yourself these questions. Otherwise you're actually doing a disservice, I think, to science, scientific inquiry. If you're not, no. Do I believe in leprechauns? No. Do I believe in fairies? No, I do not. Do I believe in something where hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people have, had encounters with over time eons yes i do i do think there's something there i don't even i'm not even counting my own possible experience right it's like i've always been a i think a believer since adulthood because i'm a reasonable adult um but now i'm becoming i've become more of a believer in uh we just don't understand what this is about it's not i don't think it's about tracking a bear and i know that there are well-known people in the community that still do cling to that and and think that's what they're pursuing and i just i don't fall into that camp i think there's something much more complex um that we understand theoretically on the quantum level as ron moorhead would say who is light years ahead of me in terms of deep dive understanding of his theoretical understanding of what's going on backed by much firsthand experience. I might add, um, talk about close encounters of the first, second and third kind. Ron's had all of them, but I think that he has the kind of mind and open and he's open-minded enough to really like him and Ronnie and Simeon people, people like that, I feel like are pushing the edge of, of what, we're dealing with here filmmakers like Brett Eichenberger. If yep. you haven't seen the flash of beauty, I think it's the best oh, it's documentary beautiful. I've ever seen. I mean, it's, I've seen it twice. I want to see it again. It's, it's so like, good. It's, it's extremely well crafted, but it's also, it takes us to the present day, right. Mm-hmm. In a way that nostalgia doesn't, or finding Bigfoot even, or, you know, much of the multimedia out there, like Brett is on, what I consider to be like the cutting edge of what's going on and talking to people who are on the cut, the cutting edge. I'd like to talk to Brett again, actually, because um, he's a great guy and I just, I think he's doing some amazing work and I have immense respect for him as a filmmaker, let alone somebody who's involved in this topic and, and presenting it in such a accessible, responsible and thorough holistic way. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for the, the uh, sequel to come out on that. There's another uh, side project you've got going on that I want to make sure that we cover. Um, it, just because the things that you've come out uh, so far on it have been just awesome. Uh, Creature Portal, tell me about how, and that's your, uh, it, it's a it's a clothing line, but it's, if you're into Bigfoot, you're going to love it. So uh, tell me how that came about and uh, all, all the good stuff about uh, Creature Portal. Um, that That is an interesting story that came up around the time I started the YouTube interview series, but it was really coincidental. It wasn't like, you know, when I do the YouTube ser- uh, stuff, I'm like, you can support me in one of two ways. You can visit creatureportal.com and get a Bigfoot t-shirt that I've designed and illustrated or hoodie or um, some other things I'm offering. Or you can buy my music on Bandcamp, right? Mm. I didn't start Creature Portal to support the YouTube channel or vice versa. It was really like my kids are seven and 10. And I drew a big, I happened to draw a Bigfoot that I liked. In, in a manner that I liked and I've been sketching Bigfoot since childhood. And I was like, I want to make a t-shirt out of that. And then today I just researched some platforms that you could do print on demand kind of things like this. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was born. It wasn't like, Hey, I want to, um, I, I would love to have more time to really commit to it as kind of a, a business for me. It's really like, this is a fun thing. It's something that I can scale up over time. Potentially I'd like to actually do more, paranormal creatures like mothman i did a wolfman or dogman yeah that it's cool so it's like yeah. a, it's just like something that feeds my interest in this topic but it's also an outlet for my illustration mm-hmm. it's it's a way to support you know my work um but that's how it really came about it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't it was like one of those things that started very organically and not sort of like deliberately like how can I monetize this? Or I'm going to sit down and start a t-shirt company. It was like totally <laughs> right. fun thing that had to do with right, my right. weird Bigfoot stuff. And, oh, cool. I'm talking to these people. Maybe I can use my t-shirt to, you know, as a means of support for that stuff. I think I, you know, I, I sold a few to my friends, but it's, I would hardly say it's taken off or anything like that, but Hey, if you want to check it out, check it out. Um, I know you're not showing this on your YouTube channel, but here is the, is the OG design. It is so cool. Is yeah, it, it's it's on one of my favorite renditions right now of of uh Bigfoot. It is it is such a cool illustration, dude. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. that. That's what made me want to do the t-shirt. I was like, I really liked how it turned out. And I, I'm mm-hmm. even if I weren't the artist on it, I would say like it would catch my eye. It looks like what I would think a Bigfoot would look like, if that makes sense. But I was it kind of it was like kind of I told you about how the song kind of prompted more creativity in that area. And it's similar to this. It's it's kind of like, oh that was that turned out cool. I'm gonna do another one. And then I did another I'd done like three. I did a custom one for my son. I want to keep going and Uh and just kind of get a a community who's interested in cryptids and, and Bigfoot and things like that kind of like Hey, if you have a custom design, tell me. And, you know, I see trends there. I'll do it. Now, I'm not going to do a custom design for every 
person on the internet or anybody that reaches out, but it's right. kind of like, if I start seeing a bunch of like, man, I want a Mothman t-shirt. Cool. I'll do that. You know, or like it's the not squonk. A yeah. The just, squonk from yeah, Pennsylvania. I, you know about the squonk. Yeah, You're yeah. a Pennsylvania boy. The Birdman, right? Yeah. Um, Chubacabra. I mean, it's like, I wouldn't say it's a huge list, but it's long enough that like with my kids being into monsters and I like to, I like them to watch me create and draw and share those experiences with them. Um, you know, my kids wear that stuff because mm -hmm. I, not because I, I don't force them to, but they like it, you know, and it's like, it's fun for them. It's fun for me. Go. And uh, yeah, so that's the story behind creature portal visit. I love it dot com and check it out buy yourself a t-shirt it will help support their their college funds and um yeah my day-to-day -day, we've all got bills and oh, you know I working know in advertising i'm not i'm not ashamed to merge art and commerce <laughs> in my interest for sure so but uh, guys, the listeners i'm really not just saying this like it is an absolutely awesome illustration so like go to the show notes click the link for creature portal and check it out and if you like it buy one so it's really Thanks, good sir. um before we end out before we we reach the end here i am genuinely curious so you have two blog posts one, uh you got all your blog posts are really good the one about marble mountain the one about bluff creek but you said you've been going out for a long time have you gone to other bigfoot sites then besides those two places those, or those, those, those those two are the two most well-known okay. and I made retreat, okay. repeated trips to them because they're kind of something I can accomplish in like a four day excursion with my buddy Gotcha. versus like, oh, I have to fly there and all that mm -hmm. other stuff. I'm trying to think if, um, like I said, I've been to Chestnut Ridge in, in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other, specifics and i can't offhand they're they're i probably take in trips to other spots um i know there's activity there's been activity in the felton santa cruz area and mm. we i i can't say like oh we went to this exact location because it happened here blah 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 but we've been to places where there have been encounters um some weird, a couple weird things happen on, on that trip. Actually, now that I think about it, I found a, a giant, uh, bone of a spine. It looked like cattle or something. I mean, it was oh, huge weird. in the middle mm. of the trail bone, just white as a pearl with wow. some, you know, some black spots or whatever, but like, why is that there in a national park and not a crowded by a national park, by the way. Right. Just, and I'm not saying like, oh, that's squatchy or that was, but just, you know, just right, like, you right. find weird things happen in the woods like that. Um, but I, you know, that, that area, Felton, there's a Bigfoot museum run by this um, older gentleman who we met in person. I don't remember his name offhand. He's met David Polites and we were talking about. Oh, Mike Rugg. Thank you. Finding, the, finding the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Rugg. Uh, I want to talk to him, but he, he is definitely uh, it, I, yeah, I have to look into it, but uh, that that place looks fantastic. Have you ever watched his YouTube channel? No, I have not. I didn't even oh, know he had dude. one. It, <laughs> he's got he uh, he's got a YouTube channel from 13 years ago, 
and it's got like uh david polite's uh stuff on it from when he presented at the museum but it's also like mike back in the day being interviewed for two three minutes at a time and no one knows about it and it's like he's answering bigfoot questions to this guy it's so good dude oh you gotta gotta check it it out yeah yeah for sure but um and mike rugg is a cool dude yeah i saw like last year that he was trying to save the museum or it was all i it was almost burned or something. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on with it today, but like, that was, that was an awesome, cool experience. Just like stopping in and like, Oh wow. It, he's, it's open. That's cool. And he's actually here. That's cool. We weren't looking for him by the way. We just wanted to visit the museum, but we had a, oh, cool. he was very gracious. We had a nice chat and one of his books had a alien face on it by John Marks. Um, mm-hmm. who was a, a well-known, I'm sorry, John Mack, who was a, uh, very well-known alien abduction researcher. And that actually prompted my screenplay on, on alien abductions and that topic. Really? The oh, higher wow. yes. That, that is cool. It just oh. set me off on a whole eight months to a year's worth of research and writing on, on, that, on that topic. It actually, um, us even talking about that, just kind of prompted that another kind of corner of paranormal interest, like blown wider open than before all because mm. of that book staring me right in front of the face it was like a sign or something it was interesting wow that's wild rich this has been uh an awesome interview thank you so much for coming on and just just chatting about all the crazy bigfoot adventures you've had so far <laughs> i'm sure you're gonna have uh way more i can't you know i'm definitely gonna keep an eye on on what you put out on your blog in the future all that good stuff um, do you mind uh, spending a few minutes uh, sharing with listeners, uh, please, anything you want to plug, go right ahead. Oh, now thank you time. so much. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, I want to say huge, huge thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you reached out. And I thought you're, I thought this was a really great conversation. Interview or not, it was, you asked some great questions, and I just appreciate the time and the platform to talk about my experience and hear, mm. you know, just be part of the community. Um, in terms of things to mention, you know, same sort of spiel uh, at the end of my YouTube videos or beginning in some cases, but just if you want to support my work and just kind of like contribute in any sort of way, more, more importantly, just kind of like connect. I love as an artist and creative person just to connect with people, check out Creature Portal, get yourself a shirt, gift it to the Bigfoot lover in your life. Um, it's available in multiple colors for kids, adults, and and uh, kids, adults, and, and um, women even. Because um, I know that there are female squatchers out there too. I know it's, a, oh, it's like Star yeah, Wars. Dude. It's a very male-centric community. But um, And then on the other side, the music side, you know, visit my website, richardturgeon.com, and consider supporting my music it's everywhere. It's on iTunes under my name, um, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff. But you, if you get it on Bandcamp, the most proceeds go to indie artists like myself. Okay. And I love to share my music with as many people as possible. Um, if you go to the website, you'll see reviews for the records. And I've been doing it for a long time. And anybody that just gives my music a try, it's like that's that's a big honor um, and connecting with a new listener, you know, just getting the occasional email from 
oh, yeah, I heard your music on Bob Seska's podcast the other day or whatever it is, or this one. That's, that's, that's awesome. So check that stuff out. And um, again, just appreciate anybody who's listened to this. Feel free to reach out to me on, on the YouTube channel and definitely check out the Bigfoot interview series, as I call it. There's a playlist called Bigfoot. And that's got guests that include Ron Moorhead, Russ uh, Accord from Expedition Bigfoot, or Accord, excuse me, uh, Dr. Simeon Hine, author of Dark Matter Monsters, um, Mike Patterson, a Bigfoot experiencer, uh, Brett Eichenberger, the director that I mentioned, director of Flash of Beauty. I'm trying to think of, I, I hate to like forget anybody on that. Oh, Mike Freeman, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, 62,000 views. 64. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and just, both of us Crazy. were absolutely stunned. And that, I we didn't even get to that. And I don't, I don't want to prolong our, our time. But, like, another one of those, like, I'd like to know more about that guy, Paul Freeman, that shot that footage. Like, what was his story? Mm. And it just, these, it just ended up with me connecting with Mike in that video and, and more people watching it than either one of us could have possibly wild. imagined. So, um, yeah, just check that out too, because it, there's, these are some great people. And I think there's a lot to learn from, you can play YouTube videos in your car on your commute. I like to do that. It's mm -hmm. very calming. And these interviews, you know, they're around the hour and 15 mark, probably like this one. And they're fascinating. I want to go back honestly and listen to all of them myself, even though I was the one, doing the interviewing, oh, yeah. I actually just want to sit back as a listener and, and check them all out. So I think, Hey, if you don't want to check out sort of my creative commercial endeavors, like listen to what these people have to say and just keep being curious and, and, um, keep your sense of mystery and wonder about the universe. I would say. Exactly. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, you should a hundred percent be subscribed to Rich's YouTube channel and check out those interviews because it's like, you're going to let, if you like this, you're going to love that. So yeah, but Rich, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure we'll be connecting in the future and uh, you have a great uh, rest of your night, man. Thank you, Jeremiah. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Bigfoot Society. If you like the show, please review and rate it five stars on iTunes. Hit the share button and send this episode to all your friends on social media. Subscribe to Bigfoot Society wherever you listen to podcasts. It doesn't cost a thing. Pick up a Bigfoot Society shirt or enamel pin over on our Etsy page and people will tell you all about their Bigfoot sightings when you wear it. At least that's what people tell us. That's what happens. If you'd like to become an official member of Bigfoot Society with a membership card, a community of like-minded individuals, and extra content each month, then please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by going to www.patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. Thanks for listening.